kind of the, uh, oops, we ran out of space on the record ending, but some great music. You are listening to WETF, South Bend, Indiana, the Jazz Station. My name is John Clark, and this is the Jazz Focus. 
So we uh, at the Jazz Focus tend to focus on a particular element of jazz recorded history, whether it's a soloist or a songwriter or a style or a band or whatever. Today we're featuring a band that existed for about mm, two years or so in the early 1950s, from 1950 to 1952. It was a transitional band going from swing to bebop to rhythm and blues, and it was led by two bebop saxophone players, Gene Ammons and Sonny Stitt. And uh, this was a band that uh, unbelievably had some commercial success. It was uh, a band that uh, appealed largely to black audiences. It played venues like the Earl Theater in Philadelphia, the Apollo in uh, New York, and in different black clubs uh, where it played for dancing and uh, general entertainment. And one of the big features of the band were the tenor sax battles between the two leaders, Ammons and Stitt. We may or may not hear one of those coming up, uh, but the recordings uh, that they made for Prestige and Chess Records were overwhelmingly kind of dance-oriented, blues-oriented, uh, lots of solos, though. So we'll be hearing some very fine jazz here today with both uh, saxophone players switching off between tenor and baritone sax. Usually, when the band was led by Gene Ammons, he would play tenor and Sonny Stitt would play baritone. And when the band was led by Sonny Stitt, Sonny Stitt would play tenor and Gene Ammons would play baritone. So very uh, democratic way of doing things there. So this group was uh, recorded fairly extensively uh, on Prestige records. Both of the saxophonists were under contract to Prestige, uh, although the two tunes that we started with, the Jughead Ramble and I'll Walk Alone, were both recorded for Chess Records. And uh, Gene Ammons had had uh, a history with Chess Records. He was their first artist uh, to be recorded, and his first recording was actually a pretty big hit for that company and for jazz in general. It was a ballad performance of My Foolish Heart, and uh, he, uh, Ammons, was always encouraged to play ballads to hopefully uh, uh, have another uh, spot of chart success, and we're going to hear a couple of ballads backed by this band. Typically, this group was a seven-piece band with a trumpet, a trombone, the two saxophones, and piano, bass, and drums, and very often it featured a vocalist. Uh, I have omitted a lot of the vocals because some of them are pretty treacly, and they tend to take over the tracks. This was still during the 78 era. This band did not make LPs, even though LPs were just beginning to come out at the time, so all of the recordings are about two and a half to three and a half minutes, with a couple of exceptions. So our first track was called the Jughead Ramble. Jug was a nickname for Gene Ammons. Apparently when he was playing with Billy Eckstein, uh, the band had hats that were part of the uniform and no hat would fit Gene Ammons, so he was called Jughead ever after. And that tune uh, was recorded in the summer of 1950 for chess and uh, featured uh, in addition to the saxophones. We didn't hear Sonny Stitt on that. We did hear Gene Ammons quite a bit. We also heard a trombone solo by Matthew G. And he is a uh, semi-regular in this group. We're going to hear him in solo a couple of times. He also arranged and composed for this group as well. He was a uh, good bebop player. He had a, a big band career. He played with uh, Dizzy Gillespie's big band. He played with Coleman Hawkins in a combo early in his career, and even played with Duke Ellington during the 1960s. We followed that up with a Julie Stein and um, uh, Sammy Kahn tune called I'll Walk Alone, which was brand new at the time, 1952, when this was recorded. So Jughead Ramble was recorded right at the beginning of this band's history, and uh, I'll Walk Alone was recorded right at the end, or at least uh, right before Sonny Stitt left to go out on his own. This was done on March 24th of 1952. So Jughead Ramble, the personnel, was Bill Massey, who was a trumpet player, and he also arranged and composed. He's on just about all of these recordings. He had played with uh, uh, some of the bebop groups, Milt Jackson, and also with uh, Gene Ammons and Sonny Stitt and other groups that they had as well. We had, as I said, Matthew G. on trombone, Gene Ammons on tenor, Sonny Stitt on baritone, uh, Junior Mance on piano, Gene Wright on bass, and uh, Wesley Landers on drums. And for uh, the second track, I'll Walk Alone, a little bit different. Uh, Massey's on trumpet. J.J. Johnson played on trombone. No solos there, but he was in the, in the section. Ammons and Stitt. John Houston on piano. Ernie Shepard on bass. And Bob Wilson on drums. So we'll tell you a little more about Gene Ammons and Sonny Stitt after the next set. We're going to go on right now uh, to some tunes that were recorded... Uh, either under Ammons or Stitt's name, or both, and these were recorded for the most part, uh, except for the last one anyway, for Prestige. We're going to go back to uh, Chess Records for the last one. 
So the first one we're going to hear is called Chabuti, and uh, there were a lot of originals that were being recorded by this band that were based on the blues or I Got Rhythm, something like that. This uh, band was the Gene Ammons Sonny Stitt Band with Bill Massey, Benny Green this time on trombone, the saxophones, Duke Jordan was on piano, Tommy Potter on bass, and Art Blakey on drums, so an A1 bebop rhythm section there. This was recorded in April of 1950. Then we're going to go on to a Sonny Stitt tenor sax feature on Swonderful uh, under his name. Largely the same band with Matthew G. and Junior Mance and Gene Wright and Wesley Landers on this uh, particular recording from October of 1950. Then we're going to feature Gene Ammons not only playing but singing. He was a, a reasonably good singer, a blues singer and a novelty singer. And he's going to uh, do a tune called Around About 1 A.M. I'll tell you about that when we get uh, over across the uh, across the barrier here. And then we're going to end up with uh, a title from that uh, uh, chess session uh, from 1952 called Beezy. So those are our four tunes. Chabuti, it's wonderful. Round about 1 a.m. and busy. <laughs>
It was early one morning Round about 1 a.m. It was early one morning Round about 1 a.m. When he met Lucinda And she dropped a thing on him He was tall, dark, and handsome Just a bit past 22 Supposed to be the loveless man Any woman ever knew But he had to surrender About one a.m. When he met Lucinda and she put the thing on him.
So there's some high energy playing there, and I'll start with the last one. That was called Beezy. I had said that was actually done for chess. That was done for Decca Records. The uh, septet had made its last recordings before Sonny Stitt left for Decca in 1952, in March, actually. And we heard a Gene Ammons feature there. That was a tune that was composed and arranged by the trumpet player Bill Massey, uh, but featured uh, Ammons playing a very fiery solo. Typically, uh, the real fiery up-tempo playing was left to stick. That was his specialty, and the ballad playing and the more soulful blues playing was Gene Ammons. But each one was capable of, uh, uh, of doing things outside of uh, their comfort zone, I guess you'd have to say, as well. So that was Beezy. Before that, we heard a G uh, Gene Ammons feature on vocal as well as tenor, speaking of soul and uh, bluesy. This was called Round About 1 A.M. And uh, Featured a really surprisingly good vocal. When I first heard that recording, I didn't know it was Gene Ammons. I thought it was somebody else. Uh, but he uh, could sing as well as he could play, certainly. And again, that was uh, the Gene Ammons Band from 1951 for Prestige. Before that, we heard a Sonny Stitt feature talking about up-tempo uh, playing on George Gershwin's tune, Swonderful. That was called the Sonny Stitt Band, basically the same group, uh, in this case recorded in October of 1950, and uh, featuring some very up-tempo bebop tenor playing. We'll hear more of that coming up very soon. And we started out the set with a, uh, an original blues called Shabuti, uh, which was uh, done by the Ammons and Stitt Band and featured a, a trombone solo by Benny Green in this case, and some nice drums by Art Blakey along the way. As I said, that was the uh, April 1950 session that featured that uh, A1 rhythm section of Duke Jordan, Tommy Potter, and Art Blakey. So a little bit about the principles here. Gene Ammons was uh, born in... Uh, 1925 in Chicago. His father was the noted boogie-woogie pianist Albert Ammons. In fact, Gene made his first recording date on an Albert Ammons session for, I think it was Decca, back in the 1940s. Uh, he played, uh, Gene Ammons did, with a number of big bands. His first really uh, big-time uh, engagement, I guess, was with the King Colax Band, which did not record, but he went on to the uh, Billy Eckstein Band in about 1944, where he played with Sonny Stitt, and for a brief time with uh, Dizzy Gillespie as well, and also Art Blakey in there. That was sort of an incubator of bebop in a big band setting. And many of those musicians, not including Ammons, had come out of the Earl Hines band from the year before, and that was considered one of the first real uh, exposures these young bebop musicians had uh, in, uh, a wide, uh, to a wide audience in terms of engagements and recordings as well. Although the... Uh, Heinz Band did not record too much in its uh, bebop uh, incarnation, especially when Charlie Parker was with it because it was in the midst of the uh, recording ban that went on for about two years during World War II. After uh, he left uh, the Eckstein Band, Ammons joined Woody Herman's band. He was, uh, I believe, the only African-American player in Woody Herman's second herd, and he was featured on a number of ballads and uh, up-tempo things as well, some really fine recordings by the Herman Band. Uh, it was not an overly recorded version of uh, Woody Herman's groups, but uh, the uh, uh, live uh, air checks that uh, are, have circulated of that group are really very impressive. And, as I said, then Ammons joined forces with Sonny Stitt in 1950, early 1950, to put together this septet. Stitt, for his uh, career, had been born almost the same time, 1924. He was born in Boston, but he was actually adopted by a family and grew up in Michigan. And he started playing saxophone early, kind of outside of the mainstream. He, he played with a lot of local uh, upper Midwest groups, including Tiny Bradshaws, and he evolved a playing style on alto sax that was very similar to Charlie Parker's, and he was accused of copying being uh, Bird, but he said quite strongly all through his life that he'd never even heard of Charlie Parker before he had evolved his own personal style. So somehow he had hit on many of the same concepts, both uh, rhythmic, uh, tonally, and in terms of note choice. Uh, he joined the Eckstein Band about 1944, as I mentioned, uh, and after a little while uh, recording under his own name and also with some other groups, he made the switch to tenor sax uh, pretty much permanently for a while uh, because he got tired of the comparisons with Charlie Parker. And indeed, his tenor playing was a little bit more original than his alto playing was. His alto playing was outstanding, but again, very, very similar to Charlie Parker. Uh, he also recorded on baritone sax, and we heard a solo on Chibuti on baritone sax by Sonny Stitt. We're going to hear another one or two coming up. 
So after uh, 1952, Stitt decided it was time to leave the band. Gene Ammons was uh, beginning to develop some significant drug problems. Uh, Stitt had just uh, managed to deal with his, and he had kicked the habit, although he was becoming an alcoholic, unfortunately. And uh, both of them went on to start playing mainly in combos that they put together through the 1950s and 60s. Ammons, for his part, spent a fair amount of time in jail between 1958 and 60, and 62 to 69 uh, on narcotics charges. But uh, when Ammons got out, he was playing very, very well. And in the brief time that remained to him, he died in 1974, he recorded some excellent sessions at that point. Stitt uh, recorded dozens and dozens of albums with various rhythm sections, some, some concept albums and sometimes with other groups, including uh, the wonderful uh, group that he was with in the early to mid-70s with Thelonious Monk and Dizzy Gillespie and Kai Winding and so forth. Um, but he uh, was known as sort of a, a lone wolf going from town to town and playing with different rhythm sections. And uh, he was renowned for his semi-eidetic memory, I guess, uh, for tunes and songs and chord changes. And you just couldn't beat Sonny Stitt in terms of that. So with both of them uh, going on to solo careers, it's great that we have these recordings with this very well-rehearsed and very experienced septet in 1950-51 and 52. So we're going to go on to a few more tunes. We're going to hear Gene Ammons sing another one. This is, I believe, the only other vocal he did. There may be another one somewhere along the way. But we're going to hear him sing Sweet Jenny Lou. And then we're going to follow that up with a tune called 7-Eleven. That'll have another Sonny Stid baritone sax solo. And then we're going to hear a, a down-and-dirty song called Gravy. And we're going to hear our first Gene Ammons ballad performance of Until the Real Thing Comes Along. Because these are so short, I'm going to slip in a fifth one at the end of that. And this will be a tenor battle on a tune called The New Blues Up and Down. And this was recorded uh, with Gene Ammons and Sonny Stitt, both playing tenor, obviously, on January 31st of 1951. Uh, about a year earlier, not quite a year, ten months, they had recorded Blues Up and Down. They'd done several takes. This is a, a kind of a remake of that. And I think in some ways it's even more successful. It's just the two tenors in the rhythm section in this case. They gave the brass players the time off for that. And that goes on a little bit longer. This is the uh, about the length of two 78s. It goes on a little more than five minutes. So, those are our tunes right now. Sweet Jenny Lou, 7-Eleven, Gravy, Until the Real Thing Comes Along, and New Blues, Up and Down. <laughs> Jenny Lou, Jenny Lou, the time is right, so right. Sweet Jenny Lou, let's spit some woo. Too old, too tight, yes, the night is right. Every day that you're away, I always stay by myself. I'm so lonely without you. It ain't no fun to be the one on the shelf. It's bringing me down. Sweet Jenny Lou, you know you love me, babe. This is romance. Take that move. So what say you? One, two, two. Let's take a chance. Take a chance, take a chance. Put your arms around my neck. Oh, what the heck? We're alone. Kiss me now. And you're my baby, baby, me, sweet Jenny Lou, my own. Around my neck, oh, what the heck, we're alone. 
Well, I was wrong. The band did come in at the very end of that. After the five minutes of tenor battle, we had some trumpet and trombone notes coming in, just sounding the end. So we started out that set with Sweet Jenny Lou, followed by 7-Eleven. And uh, both of those tunes were, in this case, by the Gene Ammons Band. So uh, Gene Ammons himself, of course, was, fo uh, was the focus of Sweet Jenny Lou. He took that very nice vocal. We also heard some very nice uh, piano by Charles Bateman on that recording. And uh, I should mention, that was a tune that was co-composed by Richard Carpenter, not of the Carpenters, but he was the manager of both Gene Ammons and uh, Sonny Stitt at the time, and he was probably responsible for getting the band together. Uh, he comes in a little bit later as well. And his co-composer was Jimmy Mundy, the great swing-era arranger and composer and saxophone player as well. He had worked for Earl Hines and different people, and he probably did the arrangements for a few of these that we're hearing. I imagine that one, and there are a couple of others. I think he did the one on Chabuti that we heard earlier as well. So as I said, that was uh, Sweet Jenny Lou. Then we went to 7-Eleven, another uh, great tenor feature for Gene Ammons, but we also heard some piano by Charles Bateman and a couple of choruses of baritone sax by Sonny Stitt. Stitt was a really fine baritone sax player. He recorded a couple of solos for Prestige, just him in a rhythm section, and he also can be heard in some live recordings. I know from the Hi-Hat in Boston, there were one or two of him on baritone sax. He, uh, I think, got tired of lugging the big heavy instrument around, so he didn't uh, play that anymore after a while in the mid-50s or so, which is too bad because he really was a fine Barry player in addition to being a fine alto and tenor player. We followed that up with a tune called Gravy. Now, Gravy is also credited to Richard Carpenter, but it's basically the same tune as the Miles Davis tune, Walkin'. So these tunes tended to float around in the, in, in the standard consciousness, and sometimes they were claimed for one or the other composer. But it's basically the same tune, and it was, again, a blues that uh, featured Gene Ammons. And also, in this case, it featured Duke Jordan on piano and Benny Green on trombone. So after that, we went to that lovely ballad feature. As we said, Gene Ammons was a first-rate ballad player, and uh, he played a tune called Until the Real Thing Comes Along, which was a big hit in the late 30s for Fa Terrell. Faye Terrell was actually his name, and Andy Kirk's band. And uh, the tune was subtitled The Slave Song. I would work for you, slave for you, I would be a beggar or a knave for you, go the lyrics. And a really beautiful performance by Gene Ammons. Then we finished up with the new blues up and down, and that featured both tenors, along with the rhythm section of Charles Bateman on piano, Gene Wright on bass, and Teddy Stewart on drums. But they didn't uh, get any, any solo opportunities. It was tenors all the way on January 31st of 1951. And uh, the way to tell the difference between the tenors, I suppose, is Gene Ammons had a heavier sound. He had a darker sound whereas Stitt uh, had a more light sound. Stitt sounded, in a way, more like Lester Young, but Ammons played more like Lester Young. The figures that he did were much more linear and uh, uh, spare, in a way, I guess, the way that Lester Young was famous for playing, whereas Stitt played much more convoluted, uh, chromatic type of ideas that uh, came right out of the Bebop Charlie Parker book. So uh, difficult sometimes to separate them, but they, uh, they had very different approaches, but they complemented each other very well. So we have time for three more tunes right now. We're going to do a tune called Wow, which was composed by Matthew G., the trombone player. We'll feature trombone by him as well. Um, that uh, comes from 1951 in January. Then we're going to have a, a beautiful uh, ballad, again, by Gene Ammons, this time recreating the Herschel Evans ballad. We heard Herschel Evans uh, a while back on this program, but uh, he, he uh, was famous for his recording of Blue and Sentimental with Count Basie, and this is a Gene Ammons version of that. Then we're going to finish up with a Sonny Stitt rouser on the old jazz standard After You've Gone from 1950, one of the very first recordings they made, and uh, that'll feature Sonny Stitt at his most uh, Baroque in terms of his playing and his improvising. Really outstanding technique on that. So, you've been listening to the Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark. Hope you've enjoyed this program. WETF is where we are. South Bend, Indiana, the Jazz Station. Hopefully you'll take a listen to my podcast as well, also called the Jazz Focus on Anchor.fm and Spotify and different places. And hope to see you and hear you and have you listen to me next week here on the Jazz Focus. So, one more time, last three tunes. Wow. Blue and Sentimental and After You've Gone by the Gene Ammons and Sonny Stitt Septet. Thank you.
Thank you. 